Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a beautiful day. Mine is completely beautiful, as almost every day is. (laughs) Except for these raccoons who I have been catching glimpses of who recently decided that our deck would be the perfect place to have babies this spring. Aren't we lucky? I have no idea what that means for us, but if anyone has suggestions on how to get them out of there, let me know. What I've read is the best thing to do is possibly just let them breed and leave. However, the risk is that skunks like to take up habitat in a place where uh, raccoons previously were. So I don't know. I'd rather just get them out of there anyway. Before I get rolling, I just want to thank all of you. I have received more love in the past few weeks about this podcast than ever in since I've started it three years ago. It's uh, something about what my guests are bringing to this world is just resonating in a huge way. And uh, the podcast is doing exactly what I hoped. It's helping you feel less alone in the world. So thanks for giving me more than a 5k of your time each week because now I always go long. (laughs) I can't help it. Everyone I talk to is too amazing. I promise to continue bringing extraordinary human beings on the show. And I now have a Patreon account where you can support the show through monthly donations at whatever size feels right to you from $1 to whatever. Um, I I need soon to invest in a new sound system because I've definitely been having some issues in this arena and I really want the best experience for all of you. So it really does help and it's going towards making the podcast better and better. You just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Nicole DeBoom and uh, see what you think. So thank you for your support. And whenever you listen to episodes that really touch you, reach out to me, tag me and forward them and share them with your friends. I mean, that's what this whole thing is about. And it all just means the world to me. All right. Today, you get to meet a truly stellar person. (laughs) Fran Dunaway is the co-founder of Tomboy X. They are a gender neutral apparel brand that started with undies, (laughs) Uh, specifically boxers for women. So she describes herself as coming out of the womb a boss, but I would say that Fran is the farthest thing from bossy. She's, and you'll hear it today, I mean, she's gracious, humble, compassionate, thoughtful. She's also incredibly smart. She's one of the best strategic thinkers I've ever met. She's brave and beyond, and she is seriously disrupting an industry for real, That's no joke. Um, She says that when they launched their first women's boxers, they accidentally stepped into a white space that so desperately needed to be filled. And they filled it. 
Tomboy X is still filling it. They did not stop at boxers. They added a full line of underwear from thongs to mid-thigh shorts. And today, Tomboy X offers bras, sleepwear, sweats, swimwear, and more. It's really, really cool. TomboyX.com. You're going to have to check it out. Today, we uncover some of the core values that drive Fran, the stuff that makes her tick. And like so many others, the secret sauce is, you know, she's got hers rooted in experiences that are, it's the full range. It's the good, bad, and ugly. Um, I will say that when we stumbled upon Fran's journey with eye cancer during this episode, which completely floored me, she mentioned that... It was five years after her breast cancer journey, but for some reason during the interview, that statement didn't hit me. Like I didn't absorb it. I think I was like hung up on hearing about her eye cancer. So I I don't think I heard it. Like I really didn't take it in. And you'll probably hear that. You'll be like, wait, why didn't you ask her about breast cancer? Because I didn't hear it. I was stuck on her eye cancer. Um, so when I re-listened to the episode on a hike and I was thinking about what I wanted to say about her, um, I realized that Fran is a two-time cancer survivor and we're lucky that she's a survivor because she's an absolute gift to the world and she's meant to be here doing exactly what she's doing. All right, now I have two cool things to share. First, Fran is offering 15% off all Tomboy X goodies with the code BLOOM51. Sorry, I said that wrong. I I transposed it. It's BLOOM15. She's not giving you 51% off. She's giving you 15% off. BLOOM15. Um, The funny thing is that after the interview, she said she meant to say boom, like my last name, but it came out as bloom, which then she thought, I'll just go with it. And I thought it was sort of a play on bloomers. So we were both laughing. Um, So anyway, bloom 15 it is. Go get yourself some skivvies. And as always, Skirt Sports has your back. Use the code RUN20 for 20% off at Skirt Sports. If we're doing a big sale, the code won't work. But other than that, it's yours to get a deal on your high performance, super comfy, thoughtful women's products that work for your insanely busy lives. I love this company that I've built um, and I hope you'll check it out because we're doing so much good in the world too. All right, now that you have your Tomboy X and Skirt Sports budgets allocated, it is time to get the invincible Fran Dunaway on the show. Fran, it is so, so good to chat with you. It's been way too long. It has been. It's It's been uh, ages, it seems like, it, it, since we were out there. I know. You know, when uh, Tomboy X went through the Merge Lane Accelerator, I was somewhat involved as like a loose mentor. And uh, it's been, I mean, it was hilarious. The first time, do you remember this? I think you came over, someone else from your company came too, and you came over to our offices and you walked in and looked around and it was like, whoa, it's all pink. And we just both started laughing because we were like, it's the, we're like the opposite of Tomboy X. (laughs) But but in the same vein. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's all about, you know, helping women find happiness. Exactly. Um, but that was just so fun and it's been so fun to watch the amazing rise of your business. Thank you. Wow. How many years has it been? You know, we started in 
2013 with a Kickstarter and we were making shirts. And then we pivoted into just the underwear space in 16. But we introduced underwear in 14. So I really call 14 the beginning of this business. So yes. Coming five years, yeah. Well, in the shirts, they weren't like base layer t-shirts. Weren't you making like button downs? Yeah, beautiful button up, button up shirts, yeah. Button up, not mm-hmm. button down? Not button down. For some reason, button down, I learned this, is when the when you have the collar that buttons down, but oh. uh, button up is a form is a nice you know a nice shirt that you button up. Oh, see, I'm learning new things every day. <laughs> I never knew that. <laughs> so that's like okay. So that's actually kind of a cool uh, place to start because that's a pretty different concept, right? You, yeah. the button up shirt, I imagine as more of like a lifestyle or almost even dress type shirt, right? That's right. So were you like? trying to solve something with that from the very beginning or just trying out something cool or what, what was that all about? Yeah, I was frustrated. I, I really, um, am most comfortable in wearing, uh, uh, button up shirts and, uh, in my profession, you know, I like to, that just is where I felt comfortable. I'm not comfortable in knit shirts, um, for example. And so, that was uh, a frustration as I was out shopping and I would go into the men's department and feel the hand of like a Robert Graham and the fun details under the collar and under the cuff that gave the shirt personality. And you couldn't find anything like that in the women's department. And, you know, the men's shirt don't, don't fit well. And and in women's button-ups, I, I bought a lot of at the time uh, Brooks Brothers shirts, but they would gape open. So I was frustrated, and, and uh, I used to do triathlons and then uh, had some medical issues and, and wasn't able to to exercise as much, and my body was changing, and so it was even more frustrating. And I was complaining a lot, and my girlfriend, now wife, Naomi, said, okay, stop complaining, let's do something about it, and uh, how hard can it be to start a clothing line? And that's where we took the leap. Famous last words. Turns out it's hard. Oh my gosh. Well, there's so many pieces of this. Um, the first one was that you mentioned in your previous profession, you were more comfortable in a button up. Was there like a dress code? And, you know, of course, I know you were in like PR and media and marketing, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I was executive producer and producer for political campaigns. And I was the boss and I just wanted to show up like the boss. And, um, and, and I, I just, I just like a collared shirt. I just think they, they look sharp. Yeah. And so the point being what you wear matters and it, it changes the way you feel in a day when you put something on that, I don't know, is, has synergy to how you want to present yourself. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that really starts at, at the foundation is what we found, um, and, kind of what led us down through to the underwear path. Well, before we start talking about skivvies, let's, uh, I didn't know you were a triathlete. What the heck? Oh my gosh. I would not call me a triathlete, but I did (laughs) triathlons. (laughs) You are a, you participated in swim bike run events, huh? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, I remember the first one I did was, uh, what what is her name? Sally. What were those called? The, um, Oh, the Danskin. Yeah, it was, the first one was a dance skin. I did, I did, I think three or four sprints and was training for the Olympics. So um, I was, I was gonna up up my game a bit, and then um, 
and then had an eye issue that caused me to have to undergo a lot of different things that, that kept me from being able to run. And, but yeah, I remember the first time I was running the Dan skin and Sally came running up next to me and she said, you take your earphones out. You're, you're going to be disqualified. And I was like, <laughs> disqualified from what? And she said, well, you from the race. And I said, well, what do you mean disqualified? I'm running. And she said, yeah, but you it won't count. And I said, all I'm trying to do is finish. <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to finish if I don't have this Lady Gaga singing in my head. So, <laughs> so did she say, I will turn a blind eye? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She just kind of waved me on and we laughed and I kept going. Oh, that is so great. So, you know, you mentioned you had a medical issue with your eye. I mean, was this something serious? Yeah, yeah, it was very serious. It was um, eye cancer, actually, uh, melanoma. Oh, my gosh. I've never actually met someone who's had that. Yeah, it's pretty rare. What happened, and and is it a predisposition, or were you like an outside, you know, water rat or something that it, you know, ha- you had more propensity for it? Yeah, you know, it's so rare that they really haven't been able to trace um and trace it back to any particular root cause. Um, it typically happens in in people in their eighties, and um, and there were only at the time less than less than a handful of of places in the U.S. that uh, hand, knew how to deal with it. And so, um, yeah, I just went for a regular eye exam, and and uh, the guy said, you need to see a specialist immediately. And there was a, a tumor, a melanoma, growing in, in the iris of my eye. And and so, yeah, it was, it was pretty harrowing, um, crazy experience. And I had actually gone through the worst part of it, when I was still doing triathlons and I, I remember I was working, I was in uh, Salt Lake city uh, for a, a political shoot and I was on the treadmill and I just hit mile six. And um, as part of the after effects of this, the, the treatment for the eye cancer, which had, had been really three years earlier, um, my retina started detaching because the tum- tumor was shrinking and so my retina detached when I was on the treadmill, and, and I, I remember just seeing this black hole on the side of my eye that was the darkest black you, you can ever imagine, like it's beyond black. And uh, and I thought, hmm, I think something's going on here. So off I went to the ER. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so it you had a – did you have surgery? Yes, uh, I had multiple surgeries. Okay. Uh, yeah. And can you see out of that eye? No, no, I can no longer see. Okay. I could file for about three years, um, but yeah, when the so the, they 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 treated the the uh, tumor with um, radiation. Uh, uh, it's called plaque brachiotherapy, and they actually sewed uh, a radiated isotope to my eye, and that I could see for about three years. And but as the tumor kept shrinking and dying. It, it started pulling on the rest of the, uh, you know, the fluid and liquid. And so it just kind of pulled so much that it detached the retina. And then that kept, they kept attaching it and it kept detaching. And so that's why I ended up with multiple surgeries. So after about the sixth time, uh, yeah, I lost, I lost uh, pretty much all vision. I can, I can see the big E on the eye chart. Oh my gosh. Well, for some people whose eyesight is really bad, they can't even see that. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I didn't, I had no idea about this part of your background. And, you know, I wonder, did it, did it like shift something inside of you or bring a different kind of a perspective or approach to how you tackle the world? You know, I, I think it probably did. It's, um, the, the sad truth of it was that I was, I was actually five years out of uh, breast cancer and I was planning my kickball party for, to celebrate being a, a, a survivor. Now I call it a warrior of cancer. And, um, when I got diagnosed with the eye cancer. So that was, it was kind of like a double whammy. Um, but in, in some regards, you know, I, I wouldn't, it, it wasn't like, it's not like a big transition in my life. It's, it was just more a reset of priorities, if you will. And, um, and, and just really not sweating the small stuff. Uh, so, and I don't know if that's because of that or if it's just the wisdom of age, <laughs> you know, but you get to a place where it's, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's just not worth getting emotional about things that are really not that important when you think about it. You know, uh, both things you just said, um, the resetting of priorities and not sweating the small stuff, those are both really, I think, important um, a- attributes or, or things to have when you're starting a business and you decide that becoming an entrepreneur is what you need to do because you know how it is. Every day there's 5,000 priorities, so you have to reset them daily. And you can't sweat the small stuff when you're trying to lead the bigger picture, right? Right, right, absolutely. Wow. So these experiences in your life are all sort of maybe starting to lead you to where you are now. Wow. Um, I actually want to go back a little bit. You mentioned, uh, I, you know, I, in my mind, like, you're not a, you're not a, I don't know, you're not in politics, but, you know, you seem sort of political and your brand seems to toe the line, whether it should or not, with uh, political topics, right? Kind of like human human rights and gender yeah. equality and all those things. Um, but you, and it now that I know in detail here that you were an executive producer for various political campaigns, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. So like, maybe I want to learn more, a little more about when you, maybe your formative years, like how did you get into politics? What, what drew you to that area? You know, um, I think I, I initially got involved. I've been an activist my whole life, really since I came out, which I, I came out at 21, and to me, it was a, 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 a an epiphany moment where it was like, oh, the, I, I so much now makes sense when I dealt with the fact that that uh, I, I was attracted to women, and so that kind of opened up my world in, in in a in a way that was like I was able to know myself in a in a really powerful way, and um, I thought that the world would be on board with it and and so when it wasn't when it wasn't as celebrated you know among my family and in uh basic society when i started really taking a look around uh, about the uh the uh, misconceptions and beliefs that people had about people like me um I, I i thought that was just really wrong and i'm i'm very much a uh, kind of a what what do we do the the enneagram an eight on the enneagram where I'm a challenger and 
and I'm going to question and I'm going to try and figure out why. I, I want to know the whys of something. So when I uh, came out and, and I, I remember being in P-Town and walking by this little campaign office for the human rights campaign and I went in and said, yeah, I want to get involved. So I helped start the, the first steering committee for the human rights campaign here in Seattle. I was a uh, executive director, interim executive director for the Equality Equal Rights Washington, and, and it was then that I met a guy that uh, produced political ads, and, and I was had just finished film school, so it was a, a, a win-win. It was like I could do my new career choice a, a, and get involved in politics, and so I would work for them seasonally for a couple of years or like three years, and then, and then uh, they uh, hired me full-time, and then I became a partner. And, uh, yeah, I worked on Democratic campaigns uh, and for candidates and, and various campaigns uh, nationwide uh, and, and also got to be in Uruguay to help uh, legalize marijuana down there. So it was it was a great, you know, 15 year stint and uh, it was a, a, a wonderful career. I, I had a, a nice paycheck. I had nice vacations and <laughs> those kinds of things. So I wasn't looking for something new when uh, this opportunity to, 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 you know, make Tomboy X become a reality. That was just a, a side project in the garage. Um, but it, it just kind of took off. Well, you know, that's how many great things do start. They're a side, they're like a side hustle and it's a passion <laughs> project, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, let's go back to, um, you mentioned when you came out, you were so happy, like you had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. What was, I mean, what was that like? I mean, were you, did you have many years where you were just confused or you didn't understand what was going on with you or did you kind of always know? Um, on some level, I knew, but it's like this this denial mechanism, and so it was. I, I, at the time, I likened it to you know being in a hallway in, in a hallway of all these locked doors, and all of a sudden they all swung open, and so it's 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 like this interesting denial mechanism that you know struggling, trying to sort things out, and. In, in challenging myself of trying to think things through and then like this one thing that I didn't really want to look at or <laughs> open that door once I did all these other doors opened and so it was like yeah it was just like this this a better understanding of who I am and and uh and kind of murky areas of of my brain were suddenly clear so it was, it was fascinating well, and I, I agree with that um, concept of going where the doors are opening. I mean, when doors start opening, it's just, it's, it's, but the positivity bubbles up. You just don't realize how open the world can be to you. Absolutely. You know, but you also mentioned that other people didn't share your happiness, and that's really hard. And you kind of mention it like, like it's a story, you know, like, oh, other people didn't share that, but that had to be brutal at 21 years old. Oh, yeah, it was it was um, it was pretty, pretty hard, um, you know, to feel like you you being who you are is disappointing people that you care, you know, that you love so much. And so that that was hard. Um, but it was also in it's it's ended up being really great. And so like literally er, uh, Almost every every uh, bridge has been passed, and and I think it's been helpful for like my my family, my parents in particular, 
you know, they're they're from Mississippi. They're still in Mississippi and are staunch gay rights activists now. And that took a long time, but but they got there. And and I think that they're better. Pe- I know that they're better people for it, but they also are more connected and able to talk about things in a way that I don't think they would have gotten to had their daughter not been a lesbian. And so so it all comes full, full circle. And, you know, at the time that I came out, too, I was working on my master's in counseling psychology. So I was trying, to, again, to, to, to get answers. I was, I was seeking insight into what it is, this humanity, and what it is to be in this world. Um, there, was, there was a part of me that always was trying to question it. And, and, and so I I'm, really have always sought for a real connection and, and that, that from a place of humanity. So I've, I've never been very deferential. <laughs> yes. You, <laughs> that's true. You know, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your wife and how you two met and when in the timeline of your life, you, you know, found your forever love. Yeah. Well, um, you know, going back to the cancer stuff, uh, that was, that was part of the epiphany for me at, at the time too. You know, I got sick twice in a 10 year period and I was in a, in a, toxic relationship and knew, again, knew that I, I, I needed to, to make some change and my body told me. And I, I've always relied on, on you know, when I, when I am paying attention, I, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. So anyway, I, I got out of that situation and I was working for, I was uh, producing post-production for our agency that had uh, dual offices in Seattle and, and D.C., and so I went to D.C. to um, work on, on some of the stuff there. And a mutual friend, the president of the firm, introduced me to Naomi, who had just moved to D.C. And, um, you know, said, hey, you guys, you know, don't know anybody in town, so you should meet. And we did. And we it wasn't a, a romantic. It wasn't a, a date or anything like that. It was just, you know, people uh, being in DC together. And so we, we just hit it off. We, it was just really easy. And we, you know, we went for a run. We went, uh, we went to a basketball game. We went to dinner, closed the restaurant down, just chatting. And, and so from there, every time I go to DC, we get together, we go to a museum and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we were, we were friends and just getting to know each other for about a year. And, um, and then, and then it became more than friends. And, uh, we dated long distance for a year, and then uh, I convinced her to move to Seattle. So she moved out here, gosh, I guess about nine years ago. Um, yeah, and so we've, we've uh, we're, I think she moved out here eight years ago, and yeah, we've been dating, we had been dating for a year. So we've been together nine, and then, uh, and then she proposed to me. She's a Cuban-American, grew up in Manhattan, and uh, but it has a lot of family in Cuba. So we were in Cuba about four years ago and, uh, she proposed to me on the Melicon and, uh, I said, see, and, uh, and then uh, a year later we got married. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. You we know? actually got married the day before merge lane. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We had a flash flag football wedding and uh, no one knew we were getting married. A couple people knew. And uh, we invited everybody to the flag football game. And then at halftime, 
the referee blew the whistle and said, anybody object to these two getting married? And she happened to be, uh, she, that week she had gotten certified as a, a, a clergy to be able to marry people. She's a police officer. And, and so we got married right then and there. <laughs> that is the best story ever. I need photos of that for the show notes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. They're really fun. Oh, how cool. But you work together now, right? She's in the business too. Oh, yeah. We co-founded it. I, I couldn't have done it without her. And I think she would say the same. Um, but yeah, we have very different roles. But uh, yeah, we've been in it thick and thin. It's It's been intense, but incredibly rewarding. Yes. Well, let's uh, let's go for it then. Let's talk Tomboy X. Woo! Sure. Um, okay. So you started with undies. We, I mean, right? Well, we introduced um, we when we when we ran the Kickstarter campaign, we knew that the name was resonating in a really powerful way, and so it was like an instant brand uh, that people we were hearing from cross section of women and girls from around the world that were just so excited to to have a brand that for them. And we thought, well, gosh, this is interesting. It's, it's got like the fervor of a, of a political campaign. You know, what is this? And, and uh, realized that it was the name that we'd chosen because we thought it was a cute name. And then we started trying to figure out, well, what does that mean to have an instant brand? And, and it felt almost like a responsibility because people were so excited that there was a brand for them. And, um, we realized that, well, Naomi was doing customer service and she said, you know, I guess about a year into it, she was like, you know, we're getting a lot of requests for boxer briefs for women. And, uh, I, I had, we had no idea that no one made them. And we, so we went online and, uh, went to Nordstrom.com and typed in boxer briefs for women and up came a pair of Spanx. We were pretty sure that wasn't what our customer was looking for. And, um, and uh, the, the police officer actually who married us uh, brought in her collection of men's boxer briefs and pointed out all the things, the, some obvious and some others not so obvious things about what, why men's boxer briefs aren't great for, for uh, curvier bodies. And so we took copious notes and uh, the amazing Julie Nomi came into our lives at that time. And uh, she has 30 years of, of uh, sourcing and manufacturing experience. And we said, let's let's make the first boxer briefs made for women. We've since moved into gender neutral space because it turns out that when you focus on fit and quality, that it really works for any body type. And so um, it is gender neutral. We have uh, male customers. It's uh, a particular challenge to market underwear for both, but uh, we're, we're tackling that as we grow. Um, but but the the focus initially was, yeah, a four and a half inch inseam and a, a six inch inseam boxer brief. And so we launched two those two styles in September of 2014. We actually pre-sold them because we didn't have the money to pay for them. And um, we sold out in two weeks. Six months later, we tripled our revenue and we felt like we had found the hero product that we could build a, a strong brand around. Wow. Okay. Okay. So pause for a sec. This is freaking insane. So anyone <laughs> listening, like, I know how hard it is to start a clothing company. It's freaking brutal. And you kind of have to be a little bit ignorant because if you know what you don't know, you wouldn't probably do it, right? 
for sure. There's so many nuances to to business like a business like both of ours. Um, but what I didn't realize is that you were doing the button ups for a whole year. Yeah. Like yeah. that was I thought that was like a Kickstarter and then boom, it was like kind of an immediate pivot. So I love hearing it's so interesting because people basically found you through the name and what you represented through this button up product you were making. And they were like, well, I want something else. And this is the person that's going to make it for me because she gets me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Wow. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so you are off to the races. I mean, this is like, probably at some point you realize like, whoa, this business is real. This business has potential. Yep. Two products isn't going to cut it now. We got to start building, right? Yep. yep. Exactly. Okay. I want to actually stop for a sec before we get into building the business because you mentioned like you sort of fast forwarded, but you already mentioned that you've gone genderless, like unisex product. But then I started thinking about vaginas and penises and yep. I was like, this is underwear. Can mm -hmm. you really get the right fit for body parts that are really different? Well, you know, there are different sizes of, of all, all uh, body parts. And, and so we, the micromodal fabric, for example, is very forgiving in shapes to your body. And so for even, even um, people who might measure beyond our largest size, can can wear our largest size because it it accommodates. The same goes for pen, penises or uh, you know someone who has more hips than 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 thighs. And so using high quality fabrics with that kind of forgiveness really works on anybody. But also our cotton, you know, some some um, cis male uh, males prefer more um, constriction, more more structure support, and a lot of men's underwear don't have pouches, uh, the, the, like a lot. And so it isn't about the pouch. It's more in our heads when we try and think of what it is about gendered clothing and what makes underwear, you know, why, why, what, what's the difference? And for the most part, men don't use the whole. <laughs> they either pull the leg up or they lift the top, the, the waistband down because it's faster. Um, there are some who will, you know, use the hole and dig around and pull it out. But, but for the most part, you know, it's, it's really about ease of access. It's about comfort and it's about, um, the fit. And so it, it really works. I mean, even our thong, we have male customers who are, are wearing the thong, um, and, and love it because it keeps them tucked in and, and they don't have lines or whatever, you know, they just, it's, it's all about wow. comfort. Wow. You know, Tim will love that I'm about to talk about his package. <laughs> but, you know, he's always uh, wanted underwear that has like support for men as mm -hmm. a as an athlete who's constantly like bouncing around out there running and hiking and doing all kinds of stuff outside and adventuring. And it really doesn't exist. You're right. And maybe yeah. it does now or in small little areas. But you're right. I mean, it really, yeah. it could work for men. And I'll be honest, Skirt Sports has some guys who wear our product too. Yeah. And um, that's awesome. Hey, yeah. if 
if they can find something that they can't find from a brand that's claiming to serve their gender, then I'm so happy about that. Well, and I think it also forces the conversation around gender equity. And, you know, it, it gives us an opportunity to rethink those those parallels and and why we've how it came about that things are so parallel. I mean, the whole notion of pink and blue was a marketing concept initially. And, it, and it, you know, when it happened, it happened in the 80s, whenever um, whenever you could do a DNA test and know the sex of your child. And they actually picked hot pink. It was a stronger color that that almost was the color for boys. And it was a marketing thing so that they could, so that companies could start start selling you product once you knew the sex of your baby ahead of time. Wow. Right? Boom. Wow. That's your mind, right? That's insane. It's kind of brilliant from a marketing perspective, but yes. like I cannot believe that our entire, you know, society is now based around those beliefs that girls are pink and boys are blue. There, there, that was not true when I was a child. Wow. 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 Okay. So, so how, like it just, did this just organically happen for you? You know, I wonder too, as you launched, were you, was there a large community and support from the uh, gay, lesbian, you know, the, just oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, n absolutely. And, uh, you know, partly because we're in the community and we could, um, you know, shame our, all of our friends into making sure they donated to the Kickstarter campaign. But um, it's also a demographic that you can target on Facebook. And, Wait, I haven't and, actually explored targeting by, I don't even know if they call it like sexual orientation or well, something now. That's, by, a, that's an option? Well, you can target by, do they like Melissa Etheridge? Oh, <laughs> you're making assumptions. I do they that. like pride? Do they like, you know, do they, are they, uh, it, yeah, you can, do they, uh, Indigo Girls, do they go to Indigo Girls concerts? So it's those kind of um, like, lookalikes, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> that is so great. Um, so yeah, so you had an immediate like support group who was just like, I've got your back. We're going to spread the word. And it sounds like a really passionate group. Yeah. I think it, it's it, what happened is we accidentally stepped into a white space that no one had, had stepped into, and we happened to be part of that demographic, which is where fashion has never paid any attention to us. So when you suddenly have someone that you think is willing to listen to you, then you start talking. And so it was a very powerful voice. But what was interesting is that there were plenty of, of women, especially initially, that were not in the LGBTQ space that wanted to not be excluded. And so... That's also been important to us, and, and that, that's the second kind of tier of our what the conversation we want to have and what the brand represents is that, look, we're all human. That's, what, that's our sameness, and the, and the same thing as, uh, around gender. It's like we, we're, we're experiencing this thing called life together, and pointing out our differences is, it has taken us – to some ugly places. And, and I think that, that that's, that's true in, in, uh, 
in our conversation and you know there's so much divisiveness and there's so much around not shame is part of it in terms of like bodies but also um gender and whether you're part of the cool club like brands that go out and want to say we're going to tell you how to be cool we we don't we don't want to do that we want to celebrate how cool you are for being unapologetic about who you are and that's everyone oh i love this um you and you guys you always have been has have has the brand had any missteps did you do anything where you're like ooh that pushed the line too much or I don't know. I'm just curious. Had any backlash yet? Uh, in terms of marketing? Yeah. Or, or product, too. Um, we've been really, we've, we've uh, had, not had any missteps with product. Um, some of our prints have sold better than others, obviously. Um, wait, I think that we, yeah. you have had no product missteps you are a genius, let me just say. That's amazing. In underwear. In underwear. So far, so good. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we, all, of our, all of our styles sell very nicely. Our, our biggest challenge has, has been um, inventory and keeping inventory in stock and knowing, knowing how much of what, what to buy. Um, I would say, I guess we, we, we launched a Capri in um, activewear. That that was not a great seller. I'd say that that was that was probably our uh, biggest misstep, and I'm just not sure we marketed it well. Um, we also did actually. I do have a, a story. So we launched a neutrals campaign. We came out with a, a full line of neutrals, and for me, I I didn't get it. I've never you know for underwear. I've never like it's never been a necessity. You know, I might buy white to wear in the white pants or something. So I didn't get the whole neutrals thing, and wasn't sure it was our customer. But um, we went down the path. Uh, we had some advice to do so, and and then, but we um, then handed this over to marketing because we were flying by the seat of our pants. They did a beautiful campaign. They it was all inclusive. Used. It, some amazing models and we got a lot of press and we can't sell neutrals. <laughs> it didn't matter it that didn't. you did it great and you got tons of press. They still our didn't customers, fly. Yeah. Our customers, you know, they, we're just not a neutrals company. We, they want our, they want our solids and they want our prints, but uh, neutrals are just not a big seller. Now that's not the, the case for the bras. The bras are different. But um, so that that's that was a real interesting lesson. And, you know, we we now have a, a e-commerce team that has some experience and that we're shifting from being a product driven company to a marketing driven company. So we would never do that the same way. We would we would be thinking further out ahead and bringing in marketing and saying, you know, wh which way should we go with product rather than the other way around where we come up with the product idea. So that that was a, a huge lesson, and you know it's just part of growing pains, I think. Wow, do you um include your customer base and community in part of this early conversation about what they want from you? Um, yeah, uh, and and we're and we're working on doing doing more so. Um, 
we are very, very involved in um, talking to uh, our customers. And so we just hired a customer lead, and um, we she's really going to become the heart and soul of the company. I think she's such a great fit for us, and we're, we're just absolutely delighted to have her uh, – but that we start all of our Monday weekly team meetings with a customer review. We are every every comment, every feedback review, Facebook post, uh, customer service request. We tabulate. We keep track of what product they're asking for, what they what they didn't like, what they did like. But that being said, I don't know what your return exchange rate is, but for underwear, for us, it's less than two percent. That's uh, another brilliant reason that you're killing it in this industry. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Incredible. So, yeah, exactly. And and for swim, um, we it, it's less than four percent. Wow, wow, that's insane. Crazy, right? Yes. Okay, so you've built something really cool. You've your name is gold. I mean, seriously, like you guys, the sky's the limit with Tomboy X. That's my opinion. Um, you seem like a really cool leader, like someone that I'd want to work for or anybody should want to work for. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about your leadership style and like what you think makes a good leader. You know, um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm learning, uh, as I've been saying, uh, I've had to go from, you know, being a startup co-founder. Now I've got to figure out how to be a CEO. But that being said, I, I'm pretty sure I came out of the room uh, a boss. And so, you know, it's just part of my nature to kind of uh, tell people what to do, I guess, <laughs> and 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 work toward a common goal. Um, so I was an executive director. I was a group group home administrator at 25, executive director by 28 and sold everything at 35 and went to film school. I wanted to become a producer, not a director, because I wanted to be, you know, in the in the uh, highest position. And so um, for me, I've, I've certainly made missteps in my leadership as a, 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 a the CEO of Tomboy X, but I'm really, really proud and and excited about the current uh, team that we have and how we're we're coming together. And, you know, I, I can't be anyone but who I am. Um, and so I believe in, in, in total transparency. I believe in, in you know, being, speaking uh, frankly and uh, encouraging everyone to have a voice and to, to make, and, and I want their voices to be heard. So um, I, I don't shy from conflict. I uh, actually encourage and you know I feel like if we don't butt heads once in a while then we're then we're not trying hard enough to to really do what we're what I feel like we're tasked to do and that's be it create and build a phenomenal e-commerce company that is uh, that becomes profitable and and uh, you know kind of changes the way we're doing things and that is by 100% putting our customers at the core of of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And so that's the cool part that we're coming up to 
next that we're we're going to be figuring out how to how to make that a reality. Yes. And you will figure it out because you've done everything that you've set out to do so far with this company. And you've had very few missteps. I mean, you've mentioned that you had a few and we talked about the what do you call them the nudes? Neutrals, yeah. Neutrals. <laughs> you know, and uh and those are those are so minor in the grand scheme of things compared to the huge catastrophes that could have already come. And I'd say a lot, a lot of that is due to you and your leadership and I'm sure Naomi's too. So kudos to you. Rock on. Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, The hardest thing has been raising money, which I I know you, uh, you probably have, have, uh, have heard that before. (laughs) I have. And you know, I've raised money too. And I I don't want to raise money again because it's tough. But, you know, yeah. when you're growing like you are, you have to raise a lot of money. And you raised a, a ton of money on your last round. What was it? Well, no, altogether we've raised about $6 million, um, And that's through various, you know, uh, friends and family, then Seed, and then uh, and then a Series A. We closed a Series A last year for about $3 million, And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I hope to announce... Uh, another very significant investment in the very short uh, near future. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. I yeah. can't wait. Now Now I'm like, the suspense <laughs> is going to kill me here. Um, very cool. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about with this, this, you go, oh, no, only $6 million. I mean, that is substantial. And everything's relative. I mean, companies raise $100 million. Companies raise 200000 You know, I know it takes a lot to get anything, and it takes you truly believing in what you have to offer this opportunity on the table. And some people are kind of smarmy and slimy and they're not really in their business and they don't, you know, they don't really have uh, much to lose. So they don't care if people lose all their money. I know you, you want to help people be successful with you, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, you know, uh, not only are um, it, it's 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 personal, and, and we absolutely want to. Uh, we're so grateful for every you know, I, every single person on this cap table I know personally. I have a personal relationship with, and and it, it matters that 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 uh, that we have some success with them, and then but also our team. Uh, we offer stock options to everyone every single member of our team gets stock options and you know we want to make that mean something someday um because uh, that's an interesting part of this journey for me has been i've always been so purpose-driven that i could i uh, for me personally i could never just do a job that wasn't making a difference and so all of my careers have been about that and and so that was an important value that we knew Coming into this, we wouldn't have started a. We, Naomi and I are not just capitalists for the sake of capitalism. You know, we we actually saw this opportunity and this responsibility and thought, oh, we also can make money. But what's been interesting is, as the journey's progressed, I now recognize that actually wealth is the real key to gender equity because that's power. And until there are more women in a place of power that we can give back. And make investments in people who look like us, and make a difference, and 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 have a seat at the table where the guys have had because they control the wealth. 
Whew. More power yep. to you. I'm with you. It's really <laughs> awesome. I'm really, uh, I, I hear you 100%. And uh, I, I agree too that when you are pursuing a career that's close to your heart that is making a difference in the world, you have more purpose, you want to get out of bed in the morning and hey, you raised a lot of money. There's a lot of pressure that goes along with that, but you got to learn how to handle it gracefully as you continue along your with your purpose. Absolutely, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that that's really what the brand has got to be. I mean, now the challenge, right, is to, to stay authentic to our roots. And so um, with this new partner we've got coming in, they are 100% aligned with us and they see the opportunity and it's actually important to them that that our dna stays part of the brand and as we grow it presents interesting challenges and so uh i'm just delighted that that we have this new leadership team in place that i think is is going to be able to get us there yes yeah. All right. Well, let me let me just go to a personal question here before we start to wrap it up because it's been such a cool conversation. But you got a business to run. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I read somewhere you were quoted as saying that in your previous career you had ample time to exercise and vacation. Like you were recently actually in Costa Rica. I know that. Oh, yeah. um, do you still take the time to do those things to? to have the self-care to keep yourself in a healthy place, both physically and emotionally? Oh, hell no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been five years. Uh, it, it was really five years since Naomi and I took a real vacation. And um, when, when my career was in politics, obviously, you know, the day after an election, we'd take off and travel for three weeks to six weeks. It, it wouldn't matter because I didn't have to go back to work till maybe the end of January. So it was a very different thing, but, but we just kind of went all in and heads down and it, it became all consuming uh, part of our lives. And that that's what we've had to commit to get to where we are. So it's interesting because we're, we're resurfacing now. Um, you know, we lost friendships. We, we've gained lots of new friends and we think about the world differently. We see the world differently. We've both changed and, and grown in our capacity. We've, we've pushed beyond what we ever thought we were capable of individually, much less as a couple. And so it's, it's pretty exciting uh, to be on this, this new phase where, you know, we're, we're actually uh, able to start paying ourselves so that we can go on vacation. Um, you know, we, we can uh, fix up the, the, you know, paint the house that's been needed for a couple of years and, you know, pay attention to the things that we've completely neg neglected. Um, I've, I've got, uh, we went shopping last night and I'm going to cook a meal that and make some bread and I haven't done that in years. And so it's, it's because we have a team in place, because we, we're um, growing and expanding and able to do that, that we're have to figure out how to get our lives back in, 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 in the way that we are taking care of ourselves. So exercise, eating right, and, uh, and, and finding some other things that, that uh, we feel good about, like, uh, you know, taking a cooking class or something like that. So that's where we're, we're figuring out that 
that piece again. Well, and it can be a really emotional time because you're now asking yourself, who am I today? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I hear you. It it is definitely tough to do something at such a high level of passion and put all your energy towards it and then realize that in order to maintain your greatest health, you've got to actually back off. And I mean, here's a question for you. Do you really think you could have been successful getting your business off the ground if you weren't all in? Um, I don't think personally, no. Um, I I think it's just the stress. I, I'm sure you can attest to this, but it's just the stress. And when there's that much stress and pressure on you at all times, you don't really, you know, it it it's just there. And so it it's you know, just getting out and doing something, taking a walk, which is the best thing you can do. But, you know, we would take a walk and we'd be listening to podcasts about business. <laughs> so right. it, it was never a, a full escape, right? It's because we just needed to consume. I mean, when we started, we didn't know a knit from a woven and we didn't know a balance sheet from a P&L. So we had a lot to learn. So yeah. when we were trying to run the business, we were trying to learn how to. And so that's just all consuming. You know, Fran, I'm just so proud of you. I, uh, I'm proud to call you like a, a colleague or a peer in our business world. You know, um, I relate to so much of what you're saying. I can understand all of what you've done and where you could potentially go. And it's so exciting. And what's really cool, the coolest part to me is that this is about so much more than a pair of boxer shorts. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about people. So yeah. kudos. And hey, by the way, everyone, get over to your website, Tomboy X, and buy some stuff. They have like, gosh, a whole range now. It's not just underwear, as you said. Maybe do a quick outline of the products. Sure. And why don't we toss in a Bloom 15 for 15% off your order? Ooh, ooh, what's the code? What- Bloom. Let's do Bloom 15. B-L-O-O-M 15. All right. We got it. And I'll put that in the show notes too. And I'll remind them at the end here. Bloom 15. 15% off. That's so awesome. Okay. Bring it on. What do you make? What are they going to buy? Well, we have um, everything from a a thong, which I swore I'd never do, but we have it. And so we compromised and call it a performance thong. It's in dry release fabric. So it's a uh, very uh, moisture wicking, great for uh, athletes, volleyball players, and whatnot. And uh, we carry everything from a thong to a nine-inch boxer brief in a number of different fabrications. We've got micromodal. Um, a nine-inch boxer brief is great for under a skirt or a dress or any loose-fitting clothing. And uh, we've got dry release. We've got active wear. Our active wear is actually swim. So we have swimwear, everything from a boy short to our most popular unisuit, which just came out in the shark print. And we have amazing sleepwear. If you want to feel really comfortable and cool all night, try our micromodal sleepwear. And we also have um, recently introduced new sweats. And we carry everything, every style, from extra small through 4X at the same price. Oh, I love this so much. Um, We just entered the 
world that many call plus size, we just call it a collection for women who wear sizes 1X to 3X that we didn't used to offer. And it and I am so glad we do now because I'm trying to include everyone just like you are. It's just Great. amazing. Great. Wow, wow, wow. So I I, uh, I love it. I actually need to get myself a few of your items. Um, so I'm going to be definitely heading over there with the Bloom 15, you guys. Bloom 15 code. All right. So let's wrap it up here with the final question I ask every guest who comes on our show. And that is... If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? To run their worlds in a bitter, bigger and better way. Um, you know, I would say don't give up and, and uh, in your persistence, also take the time to listen. I'm listening. awesome Fran you rock huge huge love to you you are already a massive success and uh, thank you for being such a great leader and a role model for so many oh it's absolutely my pleasure Um, it's it's great to have uh, been connected to you uh, through this journey and um, good luck with everything oh yeah all right all right I'm back How about the amazing Fran Dunaway? This woman brings so much positivity to everything she touches. Um, I can almost feel you sharpening your pencils to update your resumes because who doesn't want to work with Fran and her companies growing so fast and just feel this contagious positive momentum every day? I mean, I mean, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Uh, Early in the podcast, when we talk about that time in her life when she came out with her sexuality, do you remember she described it as a hallway of locked doors that suddenly all opened? You know, we've all been there staring around us at closed doors and suddenly with an internal shift that may be small or huge, the doors unlock and they either crack open or they swing wide, right? Remember those moments? Some of you may be looking at closed doors right now. I invite all of you to visit a place inside that's keeping the doors of our lives closed and figure out why. All you need is a crack to open everything up to you. You know, I've been thinking about doing a line of active underwear for skirt sports. See, this is a closed door right now because we haven't figured out how to do it yet. And uh, now I'm thinking we should partner up with Tomboy X and see what sort of skirt skivvies we can come up with. What do you think? Should we like bring some strong women's brands together and create more of that powerful, swirling dervish of positivity? <laughs> I think so. I'm going to have to get cracking on this and check it out. So stay tuned on that note. All right, let's wrap it today. Don't forget to visit TomboyX.com and use code BLOOM15. And get over to Skirt Sports with uh, your code RUN20. Lots of deals today on products that will make you feel great. And that's the key to making your life the best it can be. On that note, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.